Welcome to the Teach the Geek podcast, where engineer and author Neil Thompson talks with STEM professionals about public speaking, a struggle for many of us. Whether you're a novice public speaker or a proficient one, you can always pick up tips on how to improve. Here's your host, Neil Thompson. Hi, everybody. My name is Neil Thompson. Welcome to another edition of Teach the Geek interviews. I'm the founder of Teach the Geek. It's an online platform for science and engineering professionals. The first offering of the platform is a public speaking course called Teach the Geek to Speak. To learn more about it, you can go to teachthegeek.com. Again, that's teachthegeek.com. Today, my guest is Melissa Marquez. She's a lot of things. She's a marine biologist, a speaker, and also a writer. She got her undergraduate degree in Florida, but for some reason she's on, in Australia right now. So I'm really interested to learn more about how she got to Australia, her beginnings in marine biology, and her favorite speaking topics. Welcome to Teach the Geek interviews, Melissa. Thank you so much for having me, Neil. I really appreciate it. So first question, where did your interest in marine biology come from? Do you know what? I actually don't know. Uh, I was born in Puerto Rico, which is an island in the Caribbean, and I think it's kind of just in my blood because the first memories that I have when I was a kid is actually harassing hermit crabs on the beach. <laughs> so I think I've always kind of been intricately tied with the ocean, and it just kind of made sense to follow in a career path that way. So I've always wanted to be a marine biologist, and I've always wanted to be a marine biologist who studied sharks. Oh, wow. So you're from Puerto Rico. What's it like growing up there? Oh, it was beautiful. I loved it. Um, I spent most of my time in Puerto Rico and Mexico, too. Um, and, you know, it, it was lovely to have my family there, be able to go to the beaches all the time, um, go to the rainforest that's there at Junque. Um, it was a great childhood. I loved it. Wonderful. And so from the bit of research I did on you, I saw that you also pursued a master's degree. What prompted that? Yeah, so for me, what I essentially want to do kind of like at the beginning or I guess the culmination of my career um, is be able to be a scientific editor, so a science communicator, um, but also I want to be able to be a part of a lab. Um, and so in order to get kind of to that next step, um, I not only need a master's degree, I also need a PhD. Uh, so I was looking around for some opportunities and was thinking about staying in the States, but that kind of proved a bit hard since every place that I had been applying for rejected me. And I ended up going to a place in New Zealand called Wellington, which is the capital of New Zealand. And they've got a university there that I actually want a scholarship for in order to study habitat use of chimeras, which is a relative of sharks. Oh, wow. So, the, so you ended up in New Zealand just because, I guess, out of circumstance? Did you apply to other schools outside of outside, I guess, of the U.S. and New Zealand as well? Yeah, I actually applied to um, a scholarship in Oxford, too, that I got, but I had already said yes to New Zealand, so I said no to that. Imagine that. So you're, you're, you're Puerto, you live in Puerto Rico and Mexico, so, you know, the U.S. is your home, but you ended up going to school, you know, halfway around the world in, in New Zealand. I mean, you don't typically hear stories like that. <laughs> I came to New Zealand in the, like the dead of winter too. So like it was really, really hot when I left Florida. It was like a hundred plus degrees. I get to New Zealand, it's like 30 degrees with an awful windshield and I've got very thin Florida jean pants. Um, it was a lot of fun and it was, it makes for a funny story. That's for sure. Oh, wait, does, does it snow in New Zealand? It does. Yeah. 
Oh, I, I didn't realize that. I don't know. Yeah, I guess I would. I never thought that it's, it's known in that part of the world. I guess you learned something new every day. So you said that you were pursuing. Uh, so you, you said it was necessary to you know, work in the lab and do science communication. That a master's and a PhD was required. Is the PhD something that you're pursuing? Yeah, so that's actually why I'm here in Australia. After my master's degree, I was like, well, don't really want to go home just yet. And Australia is there and I've always wanted to live in Australia. Um, ever since I was a little kid, I always said that I wanted to live and work and study marine biology in Australia. So I got a working holiday visa and stayed in Sydney for about almost two years. And then I got a PhD opportunity in Perth, which is actually on the way other side of Australia. Think like from Florida to California, essentially. And I've been there since um, studying my PhD. I just actually finished my first year. Oh, wow. So you, are you ever going to come back to the U.S. or are you staying in that part of the world forever? <laughs> to be honest, I don't know. Um, if there's a good job, then yeah, you know, I might head back home. But right now I'm really happy in Australia. Um, and I've got some really exciting projects over on this side of the world. Um, I've met some amazing people who are like family to me. Um, really good friends are over here. So who knows? I, I never say never. Okay. So when you decided to do the PhD program, I know when you were going for master's, you had some issues in getting into programs in the U.S. Was it always your plan to stay in that part of the world for your PhD as well? No. Um, to be honest, I'm not really sure what kind of prompted me to be like, yeah, let me get the PhD in Australia. Um, but I guess it kind of comes from when I was little, me always saying I wanted to study marine biology in Australia. And I got the opportunity to kind of create my PhD. Um, and yeah, I, I'm really excited to be doing what I'm doing. When I was a kid, I was in fourth grade and I did a science project on koalas. And so I had also had an interest in Australia as well. It's on my bucket list of places to visit. I want to see koalas up close in their natural habitat. I heard they're actually kind of jerks. <laughs> I've, I've heard that too. I've actually not seen any koalas in the wild. I've seen a lot of other Australian wildlife in the wild. Um, but I'm over here during the quarantine um, in Sydney. And one of my friends, he lives by the like koala sanctuaries. And so we've been going out almost every other day to see if we could find any, but I guess they're hiding since it's winter. <laughs> oh, so it's cold where you are right now? Yeah, it is very cold where I am right now. Oh, okay. So for, for those of you all that, that don't know, actually, uh, Melissa, she did a TED talk a couple years ago. I had the pleasure of watching it. I thought you did a great job. How did that come about? So for the TED Talk, uh, there was actually kind of like an open audition through Wellington where they were like, oh, if you think you've got an interesting topic to speak on, on the TED platform, go ahead, submit your ideas and let's see what we can kind of do. And I ended up getting through to the first round um, and ended up talking to one of the people who ended up being my speed coach, but also is uh, one of the organizers. His name's DK. And we ended up talking about my master's program at that time and what my idea was, which is what ended up culminating in the kind of the talk. And it was so funny because he was like, all right, well, it was really nice talking to you. You'll hear by, um, by Friday who we end up choosing. So I would think 
or I thought it was business hours. So like nine to five and it was like six or seven o'clock and I still hadn't heard anything. So I was like, right, I didn't make it, but that's fine. Sent them an email being like, thanks for the opportunity. Can't wait to be an audience member and hear everyone's ideas. And just as I sent that email, I got an email back saying that I had been chosen as a speaker. So it must've been really funny for them to receive that email and be like, well, <laughs> we just said you were a speaker. So hope you're willing to do that. Oh, wow. I guess you jumped the gun a bit. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, as I said, it was a really, really interesting talk. Were you the only, I guess, uh, foreigner that gave a, a speech or gave a, a talk at that event? There was actually an American toy maker um, who was there as well. He was kind of one of the featured uh, talks and he's great. Um, he was really, really cool. So, but I was, I think, think the youngest at that time to give a talk. Um, and before the coronavirus pandemic, I was actually supposed to give another TEDx talk over in Worth, in Perth um, about human wildlife relationships and how we think about animals is very important for their conservation. Oh, so has that been canceled or postponed? So far postponed. Um, I haven't heard anything about it being uh, rescheduled, but I think, you know, with how things are going in the world, um, they're not sure yet of when it'll be safe to kind of hold big events like that. So uh, I'm, I'm hoping it still goes through because all the speakers, we were all really excited to kind of give our talks. So yeah, I'm, I'm hoping it'll still go through at some point. Yeah, this COVID, this COVID nineteen has really just put a put a damper on just twenty twenty in general. What's actually what's it like in in Perth where you are? I'm here in in Southern California, and they actually just closed everything down again. It was open for about a month, and then the governor just closed everything down again. Hair, hair salons, barbershops, gyms, just everything. Anything anything indoors that's fun, basically, you can't do right now. What's it like there? Uh, so Western Australia as a, or as a whole is actually locked down from most of the rest of Australia um, just because Perth is really rural. It's actually one of the most isolated, if not the most isolated city in the world. Um, so if we were to get an influx of COVID patients, we just wouldn't have enough room to cope. We wouldn't have enough resources to take care of everybody. Um, so as soon as kind of everything started happening, we shut down pretty quickly. Um, and I have, I had like some really bad lung issues a few years ago. And because this is a respiratory thing, I was like, ooh, might not want to stick around for that and might not want to be alone um, for that. So I'm actually over in Sydney right now with um, some family friends and I've been staying with them. And we just actually got another little flare up of a hotspot uh, since Melbourne um, the city of Melbourne and the state of Victoria just had a, another kind of like mini outbreak. So I think we're about to get shut down again, which isn't like, it's been hard, don't get me wrong, but it's been nice to be with a family um, and get to chat with all of them. And uh, we had a few like holidays go through and we were able to celebrate them, like, you know, with just the four of us. So it hasn't been too lonely and too bad. So I can't really complain. I also noticed from the research I did on you that you're a writer for Forbes. Is writing something you always planned on doing or kind of something that fell into your lap? No, it's definitely something that kind of fell into my lap. Um, I've always enjoyed writing um, and I've especially enjoyed writing where I get to translate uh, really complex scientific topics to something that's a bit more easy to digest by the general public. Um, but yeah, I kind of just got into it 
quite recently, I think it's, I've only been doing it for like two years, um, but I've really, really enjoyed it. And it seems people who read about it enjoy it too. Um, one of my best hits or one of my most read articles actually almost reached a million viewers. So I've been quite happy with what I've done. What do you, what do you typically write about? Uh, sharks. Okay. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Um, mostly I write about new scientific shark studies or shark discoveries, um, a bit about the people who write about them and why both of them are important. Okay, well, that's, that's all pretty cool. When it comes to the, the public speaking that you do, what topics do you like to speak about? Oh, there's a lot that I like to speak about. Um, one of the most, I think, recent ones that's kind of been prevalent is being a Latina in STEM, uh, just because I kind of use the example that when I was growing up, I didn't see that many people who were like me, who looked like me. Um, so yeah, it, it's, that's one of them um, as to why I kind of like talk so much about my, um, what do you call it, about my experience as a Latina and scientist, just because I think representation matters. So that's a really big one. Um, I also talk about environmental justice. I talk about uh, ocean justice, climate change, shark biology, conservation, marine biology in general, uh, human nature relationships, wildlife management, uh, and intersectional environmentalism. What does intersectional environmentalism mean? Yeah, so intersectional environmentalism is actually something that's just been, I don't want to say it's been coined recently, but it's something that's been talked about recently. And essentially, it's an inclusive version of environmentalism that advocates not just for the protection of the planet, but also the, pr pr the protection of people as well, including marginalized communities. Oh, okay, yeah, that's a term I never heard of, heard before. It's interesting you talk about you know, uh, Latinas in STEM. Oftentimes, I don't even know when, when I'm, I'm, here, I'm listening to a person, maybe if I hear the name, but I don't necessarily know just by looking at someone whether they're Latina or not. There's a woman that actually does a lot of speaking here. It turns out she's actually Latina. I had no clue. Her, and her name wouldn't even suggest it too, but I guess she took her husband's last name. So you wouldn't know. Maybe, you, maybe you'd know by looking at her, but I, I had no clue. <laughs> And she's speaking well, in English. Especially, <laughs> especially over here in Australia, I do get a lot of people when they see me. Apparently, I look um, South American for some reason. I get a lot of South American um, or I get told, oh, you look Spanish. And I'm like, oh, well, yeah, I'm Hispanic. So <laughs> makes sense. Um, but yeah, it, it's. It's funny because a lot of times when people speak to me because I don't have such a thick Spanish accent and because my first name is Melissa if they don't realize what my last name is um, a lot of people automatically think I'm American or I'm Canadian but as soon as I they realize that I'm Hispanic because um, I'm quite proud of that fact I'm quite proud to be a Latina um, sometimes it's caused me a few roadblocks um, some people telling me to calm down um, some people giving me backhanded compliments like oh it's a good thing you didn't get pregnant at 16 or 17 um, <laughs> People <laughs> saying, "Oh, it's a good thing you went into the U.S. legally." Like, oh wow, kind of things that you just sit there and you're like, oh, "That's right, not too backhanded to me." <laughs> yeah, you just kind of sit there and Whoa. you're like, oh, "Okay." Wow, that's wow. <laughs> it's a good thing to get pregnant. 
that's messed up. <laughs> mm, indeed. Yeah, backhanded my ass. There ain't no backhand. That's that's, that's pretty fronthand to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, you know, when I speak, I, it's pretty obvious what I am. People kind of know what it is right right off the bat. So I don't typically deal with that. Well, so when it comes to to public speaking, was this something that you've always been good at? And if not, what did you do to get better at it? So I'm actually founder of a program that's called the Finns United Initiative. Uh, and essentially that started out as me going to classrooms in Sarasota, Florida, where I was doing my undergraduate and talking to kids about the sharks that were in Sarasota Bay. Um, that was actually kind of like my first foray into public speaking. And I ended up really liking it and being able to teach and do outreach in that method. And it kind of just grew from there of people asking, oh, would you talk about sharks, but would you also talk about your experience? Um, so again, it's one of those things I never really saw myself doing, uh, but it ended up happening that way. And it's been quite a lot of fun. When it comes to the public speaking that you do, do you have a process for putting your presentations together? And if so, what is it? Not really. I mean, I get a topic or I suggest a topic and sometimes I already have some of the slides together because I've done um, some bits of topics here and there. But other times it's just speaking from the heart and what I think the audience will resonate with the most. Okay. Do you ever get nervous when it comes to giving presentations? And if so, how do you deal with your nerves? Oh, yeah. Um, before my TEDx talk, I was actually like, on the side of the stage blasting Hamilton music at that point. And just, I was there until like the very, very last minute where they almost had to rip my headphones off and be like, you're on. Um, so yeah, I, I do get very nervous uh, in front of talking or in, in front of speaking in front of a lot of people. Um, yeah, it, it, I think that's never gonna go away however many times I do public speaking because I've done uh, easily hundreds of talks now and I still get a little pit in my stomach of, oh, I hope they like me. I hope I don't trip up the stairs. I hope I don't mess something up. Um, but I think, you know, you just kind of have to be yourself and if you do mess up, own up to it and just play it off as a joke and be like, well, forgot that, let me redo it. <laughs> well, in addition to blasting Hamilton music, do you have any other tips that you could offer others in becoming more effective as a public speaker? Yeah, one thing that's kind of helped me out uh, is practicing in front of people. Um, so I've had a few friends who've had to listen to my talks over and over and over again, and they know way more about sharks now than I think they cared to. Um, but I also practice in front of stuffed animals. <laughs> because then I don't get as much judgment and they're much, way more patient of me going over a line over and over again. <laughs> so if you have stuffed animals or younger siblings or friends that are willing to sit down and watch you talk and can critique you um, constructively, go ahead and utilize them. Uh, Cause I, I have found that's actually helped quite a lot. Yeah. I would think that stuffed animal animals would be a captive audience. That's for sure. I mean, where the they only going? unnerving thing is that they don't blink. <laughs> Yeah, that might be a little, yeah, you're right. That might be a little weird. <laughs> so, so this has all been really interesting, Melissa. Is there anything else that you'd like to add about the things that you're working on? Yeah, I'm actually really excited um, that my first book with Scholastic Publishing Inc. is actually going to be coming out on February 2nd, 2021. It's called, uh, it's the Wild Survival Trio. Um, and the first one is called Crocodile Rescue. And essentially it's, 
the series is revolving around an Afro-Latinx family that are champions for underrepresented and un misunderstood animals. Um, so they go around the world with their TV show, which is called Wild Survival, filming their rescues of animals. Uh, and the first one is actually loosely based off of my encounter with a crocodile a few years ago where I got bit. Oh, wow. I'm sorry to hear that, but at least you're, you're here to, to tell the tale. And I yeah, think yeah. That'll be real interesting. I, I look forward to when, you're, when your book is, is released. How can people get in touch with you, Melissa? You can find me on most social media, on Facebook um, and Instagram. I'm Melissa Christina Marquez. On Twitter, I'm at MCMSharksXX. Uh, you can also just look up Melissa Marquez Sharks on Google and my website will come up, MelissaChristinaMarquez.com. Uh, and there is also my email, which is a great way to reach out to me if you guys have any questions or just want to chat. Wonderful. Well, everybody, that marks the end of another episode of Teach the Geek interviews. My name is Neil Thompson, founder of Teach the Geek. It's an online platform for science and engineering professionals. Consider checking out the public speaking course called Teach the Geek to Speak. You can learn more about it at teachthegeek.com. Again, that's teachthegeek.com. Until next time, take care and stay safe. Thanks, Melissa. Thank you.